Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor David Hall. If you'd like to find out more about David or to keep up to date with his ministry, you can visit davidhall.com.au. We hope you enjoy the message. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will no... Sorry, let me read that better. The coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. I love this. This is where it gets a bit exciting. Just It says, for the Lord himself. Somebody say the Lord himself. It says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Somebody say a shout. And with the voice of the archangel. Somebody say the voice. And with the trumpet of God. Somebody say the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Or you'd say caught up. I'd say caught up. Because I'm Aussie, I'm Australian. Any other Australians in the house here today? That's a disgrace. Now I can make things up, no one will know. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I grew up old-time Pentecostal. I mean, my parents were travelling evangelists, they still are, which is not too different to just being like a travelling carnival worker. I mean, they're like gypsies slash circus people because we had a tent. I thought I grew up in the circus. And so we travelled from city to city, having meetings, seeing God do things, and and God moved, people's lives were changed, and, and it was a wonderful privileged to grow up in that kind of life, but I grew up seeing the power of God and hearing salvation preaching, and and my dad would preach and tell us that Jesus is coming back. He'd he'd tell us to be ready. He'd say, you better be careful what you're doing. You don't want to be sitting in the back shed doing something ungodly, and boom, the coming of the Lord's there, and you're like, oh, I thought it was tomorrow. And he... He's saying you've got to be ready and, and be ready for the coming of the Lord because the Bible says that there's going to be a rapture of the church. Now, the word rapture, rapture is not in the Bible, which is always a good thing to preach about words that are not in the Bible. And, uh, but I don't want to worry anyone this morning, but I should tell you the word Bible is not in the Bible either. <laughs> the word rapture is not in the Bible. The word here, caught up, comes from a... A Greek word, which is harpazo, which means plucked, caught away. When a a bird, I say a bird, you say a bird. When a bird, get her done. When a bird, I know you've been watching. When when, When a bird comes in, captures his prey, he plucks a prey. That bird is called a raptor, from which we get the word rapture. Rapturo is the Latin translation of the word harpazo. That's how we get the word rapture. The Bible says that there will come a day where we'll be minding our own business and suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be here and we'll be there. Now, I've got a rapture plan. Now, we all need a rapture plan. 
Who's got a rapture plan? I've got a rapture plan. In case of rapture, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for two people that don't know the Lord, grab one under my left, one under my right arm, and when the trumpet of God sounds, when he says toot, I'm going to scoot. But while I'm scooting, I'm going to grab a non-Christian under each arm. And as I'm going through the earth's atmosphere, I'm going to look to the guy on the left and the right. I'm going to say, you want to repent now or do I drop him? That's how I'm going to handle it. See, we all have to have a rapture plan. Now, now, when the rapture happens, people get all nervous about it and worried about it, but there's going to be, the Bible's not going to be raptured. So every Bible in this room is going to be here. We're going to be raptured. So why, why are you telling me that? Because the whole world is going to be going, what has happened? There'll be a Bible that's going to have this scripture. There'll be, for example, this podcast may still be available on iTunes when Jesus comes back. And people, every sermon, you think about the husband that may, may not have believed his wife when the wife said to him, honey, if you, if you don't give your heart to Jesus, you might miss out on the rapture. And let me tell you, that the greatest revival and harvest of souls the world has ever seen is going to happen after the rapture of the church. It's awesome. It's the grace of God in action. But the rapture of the church is going to happen. And, and it's important that we know this stuff, even though it's kind of crazy. And you're here going, I just woke up this morning. I've come to church and now we're talking about this. What's happening? Well, I'm just here to tell you that 27% of the Bible talks about the end of time and, and prophecy. We need to know what the Bible says. Paul says, don't be ignorant regarding these things because it's going to happen. Jesus Christ is coming back. Can I get a witness in the house of God this morning? He is coming back. There's coming a day where the sky is going to split open. We're going to hear the shout. We're going to hear the voice. And we're going to hear the trumpet of God. And I've got news for you on this Sunday morning. If you hear a shout from heaven, you need to start praying if you don't know Jesus, man. I'd be like, God, I'm sorry I did that. Ah, Jesus! Because the minute you hear the voice and then the trumpet, boom, you're out of here, man. It's going to be awesome. I love a bit of old school. You know, we used to sing about it. People don't sing about this anymore. We sing, blessed assurance, Jesus. Then they get to the verse, perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture. Burst on my side. Man, I'm going. When he says, come, I'm going to go. Man, I can't wait. It's going to be the best church service ever. 2.2 billion of us getting excited about the resurrection power of Jesus, man. It's going to be awesome. And so you sit here going, well, that's good. That's, that's interesting. What am I supposed to do with that? That's a good question. How do, we, how do we live knowing that Jesus is coming back? What do we... What do we do with this information? I mean, what do we do? How do we, how do we live with it? Because growing up, I don't know about you, I grew up in church where it was almost like, we're, we're waiting for the coming of the Lord, so let's just do nothing now because Jesus is coming back. I know old people who have no, no, no investments for their retirement because they didn't bother to save money because they thought Jesus was coming back. And so we've got, to, we've got to do this with some level of, of wisdom and, 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 uh, and diligence and at the same time, not just live expecting the end to happen so we do nothing now waiting for the end. We've got to live now with the end in mind. And I guess I want to speak about that. I've got three thoughts today. They're simple. How to live with the end in mind. Number one. And these are simple. Number one. Number one. We've got to be... Number one, don't fear. Somebody say, don't fear. Don't fear. Say, don't fear. don't fear. Because if we live in fear and we let fear grip us, we have a total wrong expectation of what God's going to do. See, fear, and I want you to get this in your spirit, fear is not the opposite of faith. Let me say that again. Fear is not the opposite of faith. Fear itself 
is a form of faith. But it's faith in a negative end rather than in a supernatural, victorious end. And you know, the end of time should not be our season to look at the newspaper and start thinking doom and gloom is coming. I'd tell you, doom and gloom's not coming. Jesus is coming, man. Boss, come on, that'll preach, man. Jesus is coming back. And I, I, if you're born again and you're saved by the grace of God, we can look forward and ahead with great delight, with great faith. The Bible says, looking to the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. He says here, he says, comfort one another with these words. So I'm not here to scare you into the kingdom of God. I'm here to comfort you to know that if your anchor is Jesus, if you are washed in the blood of Jesus, if you're born again by the Spirit of God, you don't have to live in fear. You live in victory. Man, I'm preaching myself happy this morning, Pastor Cindy. I'm telling you right now, I feel an old time Holy Ghost Pentecostal fire burning in my spirit. Why? I don't. I remember when 1999 clicked over to 2000. Everybody was worried about Y2K. We're like, we we put our computer in to get it fixed. It was like $500 to make it Y2K compliant. So we'll never know what was going to happen because we paid the money. But I remember, I, I I went to church parties. They were exciting. Basically, it was like a potluck dinner and a bit of Elvis in the background if we wanted to have secular music. And so we went to this 1999 end of millennium New Year's Eve party and the guy at the house thought it would be funny when we counted down from 10, he disappears. So we're going 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. As we yelled out, Happy New Year, he turns off the main power supply to the house. And so we started praying in the Holy Spirit, man. We were praying in tongues. There were Baptists at that party. They were praying in tongues as well. I'm telling you right now. We were praying, Jesus, he's coming. We, we started to get the fear of God, thinking we were trembling with fear. We didn't realize that the neighbor's lights were on and his, their music was playing. They were partying like it was 1999. But I want to tell you, we got to a point where everyone was just living in fear. We'd hear these messages and live in fear. I know some people who went so far as to fill their bathtub with water, build a bunker under their house, and buy like a year's supply of baked beans. Can I just make an observation? If I'm going to be in a bunker with anybody for a year, can we eat something other than baked beans for heaven's sake? Come on, can someone say amen to that? Surely you agree with that. <laughs> People get all caught up about end times. You only have to watch Christian TV. Oh, it's this Friday, Jesus is coming back. Well, he's probably not. Why? Because no man knows a day nor the hour. Let me, let me say this. Jesus is going to, the Bible says we're going to ride with him when, we, when he comes back. So we're going to be raptured. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to ride with him, come back on horseback. We're going to gallop all the way. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to come in there and we're going to be riding on horses with Jesus. His hair's going to be white like wool, fire in his eyes. Uh, it, he's, going to, he's going to be coming back ready for a fight. We're going to get to the battle of Armageddon, which is only called that because they're going to be saying Armageddon out of here. And that's so stupid. That gag. I feel like Groundhog Day. I've already told that gag 16 times and Pastor Daniel's pretending to laugh. He was pretending to laugh the first time. He's faking. And so I'm, I'm, riding, I'm riding with him. You're riding with him. We're going to be coming down. And we're ready to take off people's heads, man. Just get violent like good Republicans. And, and so... <laughs> and we're going to... That was a joke. 
or was it? And so we're, we're gonna be, we're gonna be riding and, and, and it's all gonna be fantastic and we're gonna, we're gonna be with him. And just when we're ready to slaughter someone in the name of Jesus, and uh, not really, maybe sort of, <laughs> but just when we're ready, we're gonna have swords drawn. We're ready to go. Jesus is gonna be like, stop, because the Bible says he's gonna destroy the Antichrist with one breath of his nostril. Now, not nostrils, nostril. He is a one nostril adversary. God's like, this guy's so puny, I don't even need to use two nostrils. One nostril's enough. How's he gonna deal with the Antichrist? We're gonna be, yeah, and he's gonna go, guys, chill. <laughs> Get her done. Oh, Pastor David, the devil's been attacking me this week. What should I do? (laughs) You might have sickness in your body today. Just lift your hands. There you go. You might feel like giving up. I tell you, it's mightily effective during flu season. And so we... We've got to realize, sometimes we, we magnify the devil. You know, magnify Jesus. All magnify means is make something big. We magnify our problem. We magnify our fears. Let's magnify the King of Kings. Let's magnify the Lord of Lords. Let's magnify the soon coming King. He's coming back. 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 Number two. Number two. How do we live with the end in mind? Number two. Let's live full of the Holy Ghost. I know you might be a bit new school and you might say, Holy Spirit, I'm old school. Fill with the Holy Ghost. Man, I'm getting excited. <laughs> Fill with the Holy Ghost. I'm an I'm a unashamed, tongue-talking, fire-baptized, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-empowered child of God, man. I, I, have the, I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living on the inside of me. I've been touched with a coal from the altar of heaven, man. I am filled. I am empowered. You say, whether well, you're just boasting. No, I'm boasting in Him because you can be filled. You can be empowered. You should be filled. You should be empowered. Filled with the Holy Ghost. You might say, man, I don't know if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, you got to ask God for the power of God. He says, I'll give the Holy Spirit to those that ask. I mean, some of us, we don't ask. We're not hungry. If you get hungry, he'll fill you. He's looking for hunger. He wants to fill you with the power of God. I don't know about you. Christianity can't just be head knowledge. I've got to feel what I believe as well as believe it. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe, but it's confirmed. I feel God. His presence is tangible, perceptible by touch. You can feel the Holy Ghost. Sometimes when you worship, you feel those goosebumps get on you. You're like, oh, I feel goosebumps. I want more than goosebumps. Give me a book of Acts, fire of the Holy Spirit that comes upon my men. When they were gathered in the upper room on that day of Pentecost, it was wild in there, man. It wasn't like, yes, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Yes, glory to God. Yes. Amen. They were drunk in the Holy Ghost. What is that? I don't know, but you never know today. (laughs) Filled with the Spirit. Touched by God. Their heads were on fire. Every one of their heads were on fire. Imagine if that happened today. Insurance would never give us a note. <laughs> we're having Holy Ghost service. Let's have every head a flame. But do you know there was a flame with every person, for every person? In other words, there's a flame with your name on it, man. 
You can be filled. The Holy Spirit's for everybody. You say, do I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be saved? No, you don't. But I tell you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, everyone around you will start getting saved. Miracles will start happening. Lives will be changed. Why? Because you've been connected with power. I was on an aeroplane flying from New Orleans to Dallas. And uh, can I just tell you, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in here today. Something's going to, we're going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to shorten the end of this message. I'm believing some breakthroughs are going to come into people's lives today in the name of Jesus, by the power of God. I was on an airplane flying and I was sitting next to this woman and she was a Christian. She was, Pastor Daniel, she was such a Christian. You say, how do you know? I'll tell you how I know. She had a Christian hair tie, a Christian hat. She had scripture all over it. She had a t-shirt with an eagle and a psalm. She had a vest, and on each side of the vest were five of the, uh, it was half of the Ten Commandments on each side of the vest. On the back, there was an extra three that she had made up. <laughs> she wasn't wearing perfume. She was wearing oil that she bought through TBN and, uh, for her best gift of $20, and it smelled like the Rose of Sharon or something. I, I wondered if her name was Sharon. But she, so I'm sitting there, and she, she was so spiritual. She didn't just have... All of that going on, she had a Bible. And she didn't just have a Bible, it was in one of those Bible covers. And the Bible cover, that wasn't just enough. The Bible cover had scripture on it, on the Bible cover, just in case there was not enough inside. Actually, I think it was just in case the zip malfunctioned and she couldn't get it open enough, she could at least go, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God stands forever. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. She looked like she had walked into a Lifeway Christian bookstore during a Louisiana hurricane, category five, and just walked out exactly as it happened. She had these beads on her wrists, different color beads. Obviously, they represented different things, and the gospel story was in those beads. And I didn't tell her I was a preacher because I didn't want the rapture to happen on the plane. And so she's flashing them in my general direction, and I couldn't help it. I took the bait. I said, nice beads. And this is what she said. She didn't know I was a Christian. I said, nice beads. They're my evangelism beads. <laughs> really? You're, tell me more about these beads. What, what do they do? I use them for evangelism. Makes sense, being evangelism beads. And so she went through and gave me the gospel in 30 seconds according to these beads. And I mean, it was cute, but it wasn't that powerful. And I remember sitting there thinking, I put my headphones on, and I remember thinking, if the future of the salvation of mankind depends on these beads, <laughs> we've got a serious problem. Because the Bible doesn't say you shall receive beads when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. He says you'll receive power. Come on, somebody. And you know, he says you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And they said to him in Acts 1, well, when are you coming back? When are you going to sort all this out? When, 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 when is God going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, don't be worried about that stuff. He said, this is all you need to be worried about. He said, you shall receive power power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In other words, a witness to me in Atlanta, in Georgia, in America, and to the ends of the earth. We shouldn't sit in fear and worry or anxiety. Let's be full of faith and be full of the Holy Ghost. Stephen in the Bible, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. Barnabas, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, that's the way to live, filled with God's spirit and full of faith. I want to be filled with the power of God. Number three, I'll move quickly because the two of you taking notes are looking exhausted. <laughs> Number three, we need to go to church. You say, oh, that, that's, that's pretty 
It's a pretty shallow thought. Well, let's, let's have a look at Hebrews for a minute because I want to open this up. I want to show you something you might have never seen before. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's have a look at the 23rd verse. Somebody say, the Lord is good. Say his mercy endures forever. Do you believe it today? Does anyone believe that God's good? Does anybody believe that he's alive? Does anyone believe that he's coming back? Does anybody believe he's won the victory? Aren't you glad we serve a resurrected Jesus? Aren't you glad that the grave couldn't hold him and the devil couldn't defeat him? Aren't you glad that he's the one who was and is and is to come? I don't know about you, but I can't help it. I've got to praise him every now and then because he is alive. Man, hallelujah. Whoo, bless God. Man, that'll do you good. It's better than a poke in the eye with a blunt stick. (laughs) Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Aren't you glad we serve a faithful God? And it says this in, in verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. The assembling together of the saints is the coming together of the church. And Paul says this, he says, don't forsake it as some do. And then I underlined it in my, in my Bible. It said, and so much more. Somebody say so much more. As you see the day, capital D in your Bible. The day, the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church, the judgment of God, the the millennium, the tribulation, that whole season, the day of the Lord. As you see the day approaching, do not forsake the assembling together of the saints. Do you realize in America, in Australia, the average church attendance, people that attend church regularly go once a month? Can I tell you, God's saying in this day, as you see the day approaching, you need to get into church more than you've ever been in church before. Plug in, get connected, get planted. The Bible tells us those planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of their God. I've come to tell you today that I want to be planted in the house. I don't want to be a pot plant Christian. Do you use that term pot plant? Which is just like a little plant that you can put in a little pot and move it around. The problem is they never grow too big because their roots don't go deep. And I want my roots to go deep. You know, basically when I turned six, my parents moved to Adelaide and we joined a church, Paradise Church, where my dad got saved. And I joined that church. And I was in that church until I was 23. And our pastors sent us to plant a church on the other side of the city. Those pastors are still my pastors today because I believe in a long-term faithful connection being planted in a church. My pastor, I've had the same pastor since I was six. And you say, why are you telling me that? Because all over the world now, we come to church with such a consumer mindset that if we don't get what we want, we divorce one church and join another. We get in there, we make some friends and we pull up our roots and we divorce that one and go another. And we wonder why we're not progressing maybe in ministry and the call of God because God says, let's be faithful. Let's be planted. If Jesus is building his church, let's make sure we're doing all we can to join him in that labor. I love the church. Jesus is coming back for the church. I don't believe he's coming back for a church less powerful than the one that he left either. I believe the church is coming back for it's going to be alive with resurrection power. It's going to be a church like the church at Chapel Hill in Douglasville in Georgia. Georgia. I love church. My dad. Got saved in church because some kids in the school that he taught prayed him into the kingdom. He met my mum in church. My mum and dad had me. I go to church. I serve in church. I started, I got filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of 15 in church. I got saved when I was six. I got baptized in water at 11 in church. I got called to be a preacher. 
on the day after Valentine's Day, 1996, God said, you're going to preach the gospel all over the world. I got called to preach at a youth camp in my church. I got touched by God at our youth conferences in our church. I went to Bible college in our church. I entered youth ministry in our church. We got sent and planted a church out of our church. I've served our church. I believe in the church. Jesus loves the church. There's never been a greater mechanism for evangelism and the gospel than the church. Let me tell you a couple of things about the church. It's, it's actually the biggest organization on planet Earth. It has hospitals. It has branches in every nation on earth and every city and town. It has mechanisms that are feeding the hungry, giving homes to the homeless. Our CEO can cure any incurable disease. We provide life insurance and life assurance. We provide publications, award-winning music, box office hits, promotion, uh, motion pictures. We have global television networks. We provide marriage stability and family support. Our CEO designed and commissioned the world's first sea vessel. We offer behavioral management from the cradle to the grave. Our CEO owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His home and his offices are paved with gold. The walls are of jasper. The, 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 the foundations are of rubies, the seas of crystal and the gates are of pearl. We have intergalactic travel powered by trumpet. We have an army of 2.2 billion. We have our own language that even if you don't learn it, it doesn't matter because it's downloaded directly by the Spirit of God. It's free to join because the CEO paid the bill by the blood of his son, Jesus. Everyone involved has direct access, access to him by the Spirit. We are completely powered by wind and by sun and we're the only organisation to have intergalactic communication. That organisation is called the church. I don't know about you, I love the church. I'm in love with the church. Starting a series called Heart for the House. Good. Why? Because we should have a heart for the house. Can I say, I've been in church my whole life. My dad got saved in church. Sir, that's a nice chair you're sitting in. It's comfortable. You look good in it. In fact, I like like actually seeing people in chairs. I much prefer preaching to people than empty chairs. I've never had an empty chair give their life to Jesus. I've never seen an empty chair filled with the Holy Ghost. I've never seen an empty chair repent of their sin. I've never seen an empty chair plugged into a home group. But I tell you, you're sitting in a chair because somewhere along the line, somebody tithed and somebody gave. And you're sitting in the generosity and the sacrifice of people that have gone before. This piano was paid for by people who love the house and gave to the house, served the house. This building is the air conditioner. Some people say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a tither. I, I, I'm a spirit-led giver. But the problem is the bills don't come in led by the spirit. I've never had a spirit-led, spirit-filled electric bill come to our church. I believe they're demonically led. <laughs> our insurance bill's not led by the Holy Ghost. Our insurance bill comes in because we need to be insured so we can have church. The reason I'm telling you all about that is because people that truly love the church, where your treasure is there, your, your, your heart is also And when I talk about that organization I just talked about, that's an organization that I think deserves my investment because it's going to produce an incredible dividend. It's called a harvest. And it's not just financial, it's salvation harvest. It's lives being changed. It's community transformation. And that's the power of a tithe. And I know Pastor Dave's been talking about it, and I really felt to talk about it for a bit today. How do we live with the end in mind? Let's, Let's make sure that, well, we're going to church. We're given to church. Look at your neighbor and say, go to church. Now look back at him and say, well, what do you think this is? What do you think I'm trying to do here? You know, you go to church. But let's not just attend church. Let's not just go to church. 
Let's be the church. Some of us, we don't tithe because we just worry a little bit. The Bible Bible says, maybe if Pastor Brandon can come, the Bible says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there, there may be food in my house. And he says, if you do this, says God, see that I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Pour out such blessing, you won't have room to receive it. Can I say the first thing that happens when we tithe is there is food in the house of God. Pastor Cindy, maybe I've got this all wrong, but to me, if that's all it achieved, it's still worth doing. Too often we do it based on what's in it for us. What about what's in it for him? What about the fact that when you give, you build a building, you create facilities where souls are one to Christ, where people are born again. In the last service, people lifted their hands to accept Christ and and know Jesus and, and find him as Lord. That was made possible because you tithe and you give to the house of God. I heard a story, I shared it in the first service, totally unintentionally. I just felt like the Lord was leading me and, and, uh, and as I was, as I was uh, speaking, I shared it and I felt the Lord just told me to share it in all my messages. So I just changed a little bit of what I was going to say. But there's a story I heard a preacher talk about, about a guy who was trapped in the desert. And when he was trapped in the desert, he didn't have... He didn't have any means to, to drink or live. And he is wandering through the desert and he comes to this watershed. And uh, in this watershed, there, there's like a little water pump and, and, it, and it like, a, like a, a jug of murky water. Murky, murky. You know what I mean? Do you use that word here? Like muddy, dirty sort of gross water. And, and there's a little sign on the pump that said, if you want fresh spring water, you've got to prime the pump, which meant taking that jug, pouring it into the... Into the system here and as you pull the lever what will happen is that water creates some gravity thing that draws water out of the ground and and so this guy goes there he's totally thirsty he would look at when you've been in the desert for a period of time and you don't have water it it can be the grossest looking water but it's gonna it's gonna meet your need and so he's looking at that water thinking man I want to just drink that water because I know if I drink that I'm gonna live for the next couple of hours or or whatever but he had a choice he could either put his trust in that murky water or he can put his trust in that pump. He made a decision. He took that water. Imagine pouring water into some system. You pull the lever and it starts to sprinkle water out. See, the, the, the world system is supply and demand, buy and exchange. Our system is called seed time and harvest. When you give, the seed you bring, it leaves your hand, but it never leaves your life because it goes ahead of you and creates miracles for you, ways of provision and blessing, but it also does it for others. Can I tell you, a little becomes much when it is placed in the hand of God. And can I tell you, you you can either trust the murky waters of what you know and what your senses tell you, what your human understanding tells you, but Proverbs tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge Him, and He will, I feel the glory of God falling in this place. He will direct our paths. I, I, wanna, I wanna just talk to you for a minute. That doesn't just go for tithing and giving. Some of you are holding onto the murky waters of your life. Some of you are holding onto the murky waters of sin. You're holding onto the murky waters of just living, I guess, 
no, I'm not trying to be harsh in, in any way. I'm just, but, but I guess living just to get by and, and please yourself. But as you're sitting here today, you, you do know God's brought you here and, and he's got a greater purpose. And maybe you've been holding on to the murky waters of, uh, of things that you thought would satisfy, but they haven't satisfied you. And you know that today you want to exchange and say, God, I give you my murky waters and I want to drink from your spring of living water because I know I'll never thirst again. If you're in this house today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're away from God and for whatever reason, maybe religions muddied your view of Jesus and and you're in a space where you haven't been walking with the Lord, but you're in this house today and you say, David, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I've come all the way from South Australia to talk to you today and give you an opportunity to find Christ, to, to be born again, to be changed by the grace of God. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. You don't know what it is to live and serve Jesus as the Lord and master of your life. If you're in this house today and you'd say, David, I don't know Jesus. I want to get my heart right with him. Can I ask you for just one moment, would you bow your heads in prayer, every person, if you wouldn't mind. And we're going to talk to the Lord for just a minute and give people an opportunity. Maybe here today and uh, potentially there's two groups of people. Uh, like I've already said, you just don't know Jesus. Maybe you've wandered into church today because somebody invited you. Maybe they said there's going to be a speaker from somewhere else, so you thought you'd come and have a listen and have a look. Or maybe you're at the end of yourself and you've come here today because you just don't think there's any hope for any change in your life without Jesus. You actually made the wisest decision you've ever made in your life because Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ wants to change you. He wants to fill you and transform you. If you're in the house today and you'd say, David, I don't know the Lord. I need to get my heart right. That's the first group. The second group of people, you'd say, David, I need to make sure because I've got doubts and I, I don't know. And it's, not, it's not that I'm, I'm saying that you're making sure because you're like, I just want to make sure. I'm just saying there's no assurance. You don't know that you know that you know that you know. You're a child of God. Or maybe you've just been caught up doing stuff that just, you know, has put distance between you and God. He wants to bridge the gap today and he did it through Calvary, through the cross. And if you're here today and you'd say, David, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. If you're in this place today and you'd say, David, that's me. I want to get my heart right with God. While no one's moving around, while no one's looking around, would you raise your hand so I can see it? I want to pray for you. I don't want to embarrass you. There's a hand there. Is there anybody else that would say, David, pray for me? You just lift your hand high so I can see it. If you wouldn't mind, God bless you over there. God bless you to my right. Down here, back there, back there. Is there anybody else? down here, over there, fantastic, over to my left, that's wonderful, God bless you sir, is there anybody else that would say David, include me in your prayer, God bless you man it's the most awesome thing, you can... I tell you by the Spirit of God, you're never going to be the same again, the Spirit of God has marked you for this moment sir, and you're going to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit get ready, because God's about to shift gear in your life, and the things you believe for, the things you've dreamt of the things you've been asking God for, you watch, they will come to pass, by the grace of God, is there anybody else, lift your hands. If I haven't seen your hand, back there I see a hand. Is there anyone else? God bless you, ma'am. Is there anybody else that would say, David, God bless you back there, sir. It's awesome. Is there anybody else that would say, David, God bless you down here. Fantastic. God bless you over here. This is awesome. This is what it's all about. God bless you on the very back row, back there in the white. I see your hand. There's hands that have gone up everywhere. Over there to my right, sir. God bless you. It's awesome. You know, in this place, there's hands going up all over. Come on, church, why don't we give the Lord a hand of praise for that right now? I'm just going to ask for just 
the meeting finishes in about 10 minutes time, so no one moving around. This is not the end of the meeting. Can we just stand to our feet for one moment, the whole church? I'm gonna ask everyone to stand just for one moment. I'm gonna ask you to do something. Those that lifted their hand. You know, it takes, it takes courage. It takes courage to serve God. It takes courage to lift your hand in a room like this. I'm going to ask you, if you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me. Because this is where the rubber hits the road, because you're inviting Jesus into your heart. And as I pray, Pastor Daniel's going to come. If you lifted your hands and you said, David, I want you to pray for me. You matter to God. You matter to us. We don't want you to leave this place without talking to one of us about the Lord. We want to help you in any way we can. Pastor Daniel, as soon as I'm finished, he'll, he'll give you direction as to how to do that. But I want you to pray this prayer after me. It's a prayer of invitation for God to do something. I'm going to ask the whole church if you would as well. Can we lift up our hands to God? Let's just reach out to Him in the house. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, come on every person. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me of my sin to wash me clean by your precious blood, to make me new, to give me a new beginning. Lord, I give my life to you. Would you take my life? Would you use me? Would you do a new thing in my world? Help me serve you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use my life to be a testimony to the grace of God. From this day forward, I give my heart to you. And I know that I know, that I know, that I am born again. In Jesus' Name. Come on, church, let's give God a shout of praise. Come on, let's really praise Him in the house.